CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, Brian, have you seen the Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix? I, I am aware of it, as I am aware of all things Timothy Oliphant, but I haven't watched it yet. I have also not watched it yet, but I saw an ad for it while scrolling through Netflix last night. Um, and it's like, it's Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant? Yes. This should, like, literally be my favorite thing. Like, I, I think I have a 100% liking anything Timothy Oliphant is in ratio. Yes. Like, but, Deadwood, But you don't have 100% Justified. Drew Barrymore. You don't, like... Fifty first dates or something. Fifty first dates is so heartwarming. <laughs> and if I don't like it, it's because of Adam Sandler, not because of <laughs> Drew. I think like the wedding. Speaking of which, like I love the Wedding Singer, right? Okay, yes. Like I think the Wedding Singer is great, or like I at least would claim to like the Charlie's Angels movies for the purpose of this sentence. <laughs> I like the Charlie's Angels movies. See, you like ET, right? I, I do. I was about to say you like Poltergeist, but she wasn't in that. That was a completely different. No, she was girl. in that. She'd be dead. Yeah. No, it was. She's not in that one. I, I mean, I like drugs. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Top Eight Magic <laughs> Podcast. Brian David Marshall here. With I was really Flores. kidding about the drugs. What, what are we drinking? Speaking of okay. drugs. Speaking of drugs. So Brian and I went to what Brian lovingly calls the haberdashery. <laughs> so it's this place like. Clearly, like, it's just like a, it must be like a mafia front or something because like... Hipster it, mafia. We've determined hip, Hipster already. mafia. Because it's like all the things there are super expensive. It's like in this retail space that probably costs like, I don't know, $15,000 like a they, month. It's like they launder their Adderall drug profits yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. But like, no, I've never seen, I know one, I've worked in, in the area for eight years. I know one person has ever bought one shirt from the haberdashery. <laughs> one. Was it, was it land? No. It could have been, though. Because, seriously, it's just all expensive. Like, when they first opened, they had, like, vintage Playboy magazines out and, like, ta- and, like wooden tables in the middle of it just to, like, for the feel of the place. But then about two years ago, they just opened a coffee bar, and the coffee's actually quite good. So, they're <laughs> like, we go there for coffee. Yeah, that was the first place I had nitro. Yeah. Um, but you didn't get a nitro today. No, I didn't. Instead, we got coconut turmeric cacao lattes? Yes. They don't even have coffee in them. No. Is this the worst thing you've ever had? No, it's not the worst thing I've ever had. You're going to finish it, right? I'm going to finish it. It's actually kind of growing on me. I think it's okay, but it's no one's going to mistake it for coffee. Yeah. So we, we haven't podcasted for a while. What are you talking about? We were going to do 52 podcasts <laughs> this year. We declared that last year. What if we break down, like, the Dominaria card set? We just do a podcast per card. We'll tell you what. Old school Matt <laughs> Wang cut us off after 10 minutes because they're too long to download. <laughs> okay. We're not going to do that because we're going to forget to hit, like, stop and re-record. <laughs> and then also when we did that back in the day, we had, like, minions to, to upload these 10-minute podcasts. Yeah. Versus, like, Carrie Dan will just be like... You know, we just, like, consolidate them. Like, he'll be like, oh, they must have had a problem with their email. I'll consolidate these into one podcast. <laughs> it would ruin the experience. Oh, yeah. That'll ruin the experience. All right, so uh, what do you want to talk about, Dominic? Well, I mean, let's just talk. What's been going on? Like, both of us have had birthdays. Yeah. Since the last time we've been Mine here. Was like a I've, week and a I've half ago. I started and, as of a minute ago, completed a Kickstarter. Jeez, I'm crow. Um, I am so... Is it envious? Envious of you. Really? Why? Because you completed a Kickstarter. It's awesome. Yeah. 
were you the person or was Jesse the person who did the Kickstarter? No, it was me. Nice. I mean, now you have like, how many people participated? Yeah, it was 184 backers. You got 184 for the next, you got a seed list for the next one, my friend. $7,200 to make our first comic book, which is uh, called The Totally Unstuck Adventures of Anachronos. It would have been awesome if we had recorded this podcast, say, like, one day ago, one week ago. Yeah, I know. I wonder whose idea it was to wait until the day that the Kickstarter was up. Mike. It was. <laughs> it was my idea. So imagine for the future, if you want to back a Kickstarter of a, you know, a, a wonderful person and or pro tour historian, consider Brian David Marshall. So, but uh, also birthdays. We both had birthdays. What, what did you do for your birthday? Um, I'll just cut it off before the bad parts. So my, <laughs> my wife got me um, this, uh, this Apple Watch. Oh, nice. So, so, so this is what happened. So I woke up, because we have, like, weird hours in my family. Like, um, I'll wake up maybe around 7.30 or 7.45, and by the time I get up, like, my kids are already off towards school, and my wife is usually, like, off for, like, a nine-mile run at that time of day. So like, then I just don't interact with them or whatever. Uh, and then so, like, I get up and, like, all my gifts are, like, laid out on the table. And then, like, I texted my wife. I was just like, I don't want to open anything. I don't want to open it by myself, you know? Like, so I came home early to, to open them with my kids and my wife present. Uh, but I read all the cards, and the cards were so good. Oh, that's nice. I was really happy. The cards are so good for my kids, you know? My wife's card was, like, I don't know, below average for a card from her. <laughs> but both of the cards for my kids were fantastic. Uh, and then I got, yeah, I got this and I got some, I got some other stuff. Both of my kids bought me peanut butter cups. Nice. <laughs> then my, my daughter, this is their card. She got me a Starbucks gift card and which is actually still in my wallet. And she said, let's have breakfast together. And this time it will be on me. Aww. And she bought that with her own money. That's really sweet. I know it was so sweet. I don't know who put her up to it. So anyway, uh, and then like, you know, I said like my normal, like weekday routine, which is for a Thursday. So I came home, posted my other podcast, uh, went to the gym. Then, like, about 11, I, like, went out with, um, I don't know, some some friends. Um, like, Roman. You know Roman? Yeah. Do you know Do you know Dave Tao? I don't think so. I mean, I may know him as David. David Tao? Yeah, so he, he used to come to Neutral Grounds. Yeah. Um, that's how I, he, I, I met him at FNM, like, but he came to New York because... I guess he had met me at Neutral Ground at a tournament once and, like, read about eating at Plataforma <laughs> and that, like, inspired him to want to come to New York. And Zach. And then we, um, you know, the end. <laughs> what did yeah. you do for your birthday? <laughs> I'm so jealous what you did on your birthday. If I were going to have, like, a pizza and ice cream carbs day, yeah, I might invest. It's like a two-hour trek into Brooklyn, it's though, for, right? it's, it's 40 minutes. It's a 40-minute train ride. It's not that bad. We could go right now. I would go again. Uh, I can't go right now. It's not a carb-eating day for me. <laughs> So we like went, on a Saturday, I would totally do that. So my wife's like, okay, you got to tell me where do you want to go for your birthday? We always make a big deal about it. Yeah. You know, she's, you know, done all this stuff where we've gone out to these, you know, she took me to like a Mar- Marcus Samuelson restaurant last year, which then she... The Iron Chef. Yes, the Iron Chef. But then she didn't go because she was sick. So Steve got to go instead. <laughs> <laughs> he was also basically your wife. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, whatever. Just always... So she's like, where do you want to go? And I'm like... I just want pizza. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to go into Brooklyn. I want L&B Simone Gardens pizza. I've just been feeling really nostalgic about like where I grew up and wanted to go into the old neighborhood and get this pizza, which is like this really unique slice of pizza. 
place has been making it in this same spot since 1939. They have these like super seasoned pants. It's like a Sicilian pizza, but they put the cheese on first. Then they put the sauce on top of the cheese and then a little oregano and a little Parmesan. And that's it. And it's like really They don't crisp. have toppings? You could get toppings. I've literally never gotten toppings in decades. On so it. I just get that pizza. And it's like, so I, I, I don't mean to be insulting when I say this. I'm just not trying to describe the experience of someone who, because the, the, obviously the average person doesn't know about like different kinds of pizza you yeah. might be able to get in New York. Like, for example, you love Waldi's. Waldi's is not anywhere remotely No, nothing near. remotely. No, it's like a wood-fired pizza. It's very yeah. different. Yeah, like it's just like a super irregular. Uh, it's more more artisanal. Yeah, and it's like cooked in like a wood-burning oven, you know, like versus a traditional New York-style pizza, right, where it's like laying out to typically uh, reheat one slice at a time, right? You get Depending where you are, you can get a slice for a buck or you can get a slice for 12 bucks, you know? And, yeah. But any of these single slices is better than the pizza they'll get anywhere else in the country, right? Yeah. Uh, for for that purpose, or I mean, like if you're from Chicago, like you have this casserole stuff that you eat right, that you pretend right. is pizza. This, right? the, so, this, like it's weird. This pizza exists somewhere in between, like a New York Sicilian, yeah, a Chicago, and a Detroit style pizza. I don't know what a Detroit style pizza. A Detroit style pizza is just this pizza made in a really deep pan, uh, really really crispy edges, um, and has a lot of, it has a lot of meat on it though it has a lot of toppings it's sort of like this pizza with toppings so but so the Spumoni Gardens Ellen B Spumoni Gardens yeah so the Ellen B Spumoni Gardens I, I, I went to the website after you talked to me about it when yeah. you went last week um, and it, it seems to me like the, the, the reason I don't want to be insulting I'm just trying to describe this for someone it's like school cafeteria pizza that's what it looked like to me right <laughs> no it does someone com- so one of the guys I was with compared it to Elio's it looks like an Elio's slice of frozen pizza <laughs> yeah, yeah like- <laughs> it really does but it's it's. but it's, it's so, like but it's, it's like within 30 seconds like I had had it my, my friend Tony who I grew up with was there had had it and then the other three people I was there with had never had it before my wife uh, my friend Paul and his wife Stevie and they'd never had it. And within 30 seconds of the pie being on the table, the word, the, this is the best fucking pizza I've ever had in my life had been invoked. And it wasn't by me yeah. or Tony. So that's, that's telling. Right? Yeah. So. And I was like really worried too, because like, you know, when you share something that you have a ton of nostalgia for yep. with other people, you know, it can, it's really hard for it to live up to the nostalgia, but this did. So. I don't know if you can re- think back to when you were 42, when you turned 42. Did you, like, learn about life, the universe, and everything that year? Uh, I did, but then I forgot. By the time you were 43 or yeah, just by the time while you were 43? So I, I'm, I'm waiting for enlightenment this year, right? So I'm 42 this year. I have never felt like such an asshole as the day I, like, I called you for your happy birthday. And you're like, I'd ask you to come out or whatever, but you didn't even come out from... Cut. Cut this one. All right. I don't talk about it. All right. Fine. All I'll say is... Brian was having a party in the East Village. I was like two blocks away. I'm like, oh, I was actually with Roman that night. I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy Brian this comic book I really like, and then I'll give it to him for his birthday. He's having a party two blocks from here. I went to St. Mark's Comics. They didn't have the comic. And for whatever reason, I got so angry. I just, look, what do you mean you don't have the comic? I just went home. That's like the worst thing I've ever done. Sorry. Yeah, well, it's at least we're, Recording this podcast <laughs> over, over. What is this? Coconut, cacao, turmeric, latte. There's not even any milk in this. How no, it's it coconut called? milk, turmeric. Yeah, it's actually. I don't know. I'm kind of liking. You're it. liking it. I'm kind of liking it. It's because of the drugs. It is. It is. Mono drugs. Turmeric is supposed to have very, you know, 
medicinal properties. The words you're looking for are monodrugs. 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 Okay. So what are we to talk about? Magic the Gathering? Yeah, let's talk about some Magic the Gathering. I would say let's talk about basketball, but the Cavs lost badly to the Miami Heat last night. I watched like half of that game. But they, they, they've been winning otherwise. What, what, what are, all right, just one sentence. Not even a sentence, just an, an, a mathematical mm. number here. What, what percentage do you give the Cavs to reach the finals of the Eastern Conference? Uh, I'm, I think it's almost a certainty. Okay. Like, I, I'm, I think I mean, 100% is, is like, mathematically overconfident, but there's just nobody who's going to stand in their way. Even the power rankings have them ahead of Boston right now. And, like, I understand that, that Toronto's, Toronto's um, win-loss record is outstanding. I, yeah. They're just barely, you know, behind Golden State or whatever. But first of all, those teams played last week. And second of all, come on, have you not watched the playoffs the last three years? Because these teams have met. And Toronto's won a total of two games in three series, right? So um, the only reason they won before is because they had Bismack Biombo, and they don't have him anymore. So, you know, DeMar DeRozan could take a lot of long twos, and we'll see how that works (laughs) out in the playoffs. (laughs) Uh, Will it be a more exciting series than Milwaukee-Philadelphia? The Freak versus Joel Embiid. Um. I think that the freak is one of the best players I've ever seen. I think Joel Embiid is massively overrated. Wow. I think like, I mean he he doesn't produce volume because he doesn't play enough games, uh, and I think that people are really, really, really willing to give Joel Embiid credit for the things that look like Hakeem Olajuwon, and then just ignore all the things that he's not good at. Like, oh well, he made another Hakeem Olajuwon like move. Right, we're gonna have to have Nate Holt on the podcast next week to rebut. Yeah, but people love people just love their thing, right? Like I'm the first person to be like my favorite player in the league is J.R. Smith. No, he's not very consistent, right? But like if when J.R. Smith is on, he's better than Clay Thompson. That's the thing. The problem is he's not on all the time. But if you get J.R. Smith on, the dude will just launch seven threes, they'll all go in and he'll play lockdown defense for 35 minutes. Like you can't lose if he's doing that, right? Because it's just extra. So he's already a championship caliber team without J.R. Smith. But he's like, oh, here's an additional 30 points. No problem, guys. You know, half of those points came on defense, you know? Right. And um, you just, I think, he, I just think he's just, you know, holding down the focus button. He's just going to wait until the finals to pick it up. <laughs> One of those. Uh, what, the thing I'm super happy about is all these, the, the trade deadline acquisitions, I'm real happy with those kids. Uh, I mean, George Hill is always, you know, George Hill's basically Kawhi Leonard, right? Like, that was, that was the draft night trade that landed. Right. Landed, um, and I bet you Indiana thought they were getting the better end of that deal. Um, so you know he's awesome three point shooter. You know he's not the youngest point guard, but he's still got a good body on right. him. Uh, I think I'm not super in love with with Hood, but I, I own a Clarkson jersey. He is the only Filipino American in uh, <laughs> the National Basketball Association. So I have a Clarkson jersey. Also, I have a son named Clark who's also a basketball fanatic. But well, the thing that's super surprising to me, and I don't know how this happened, Larry Nance Jr. on L.A. was fine. He's good. He's a good player. Larry Nance Jr. on the Cleveland Cavaliers is one of the ten best players in the NBA. Like, it's unreal how good he is. Like His stats are consistently unbelievable. And I think like he will develop into a star-caliber well, player. There was no one of the caliber of LeBron on his team to, previously. To throw him lobs to, every, yeah, every yeah, I was play. just going to say, to like, like, take advantage, like to have the, just the basketball intelligence to put him in a situation to like succeed. His man defense is amazing. He doesn't make mistakes, and he just catches lobs from LeBron, and he's a good rebounder, right? He's like what Tristan Thompson was before Tristan Thompson decided to start dating a Kardashian. <laughs> so as long as we keep him away from, you know, Kylie or whatever, 
<laughs> you know, I think he'll he'll do dad proud. When when he took his dad's jersey number, I mean, oh my god, sixteen year old me melted. <laughs> me and Worth have just been like just trading like heart eye emojis at each other, <laughs> like twenty two heart eye emojis at a time. Twenty two. Larry Nance is a three time All Star. Ba- ba- baseball starts tomorrow. We'll talk. We'll talk. My then. team's good, right? Who's your team? I don't really care, but I'm Cleveland. Going, we're going to claim pretty, the Indians. They're pretty good. We're going to claim the Indians. Pretty good. We'll see how you know. We'll see without their pitching coach, who's now the Mets manager. Oh shit! So our guy went to your. To your yeah. Our guy who's made our team good went to your. Yeah, team? yeah, yeah. Who let that happen? I don't know. But uh, let's let's talk about some dominaria. We've made once we've made people listen to us actually talk even briefly about baseball. It's time to actually. Uh, just, you have, by the way, now that you have an iPhone, iWatch. Yeah, I'm become super annoying. Well, yes, but even more so when you don't respond to a text. Oh now. yeah. See, I don't know how to pull this text up. I tried to tell my wife that yes, I will be going out tonight, and I don't know where the text went. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't. I, I respond to, to pretty, texts pretty sometimes, good, pretty right? Good, yeah. Now I have to. I have to pull out my phone like a like a, <laughs> like regular, a plebe. Like a pleb. All right. So let's talk about. Oh my the, god. She's already I guess, yes or no. I was gonna say yes, and then like now she's she's texting me. So yeah, she apparently demands like thirty se- like thirty second window I'm, on I'm, text I'm retrieval. I'm with you, Catherine. All right. BDM. I like prompt text responses. BDM BFM according to autocorrect. BDM says now that I have an Apple Watch. Uh, not responding to texts. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> blah blah blah. All right. Yeah, she's just telling me she's gonna be at the pool in the morning. We probably won't see each other. I'm gonna come back from movie club and she'll go to sleep. Right. Then she'll be at the pool when I wake up. All right. So a, let's talk about some magic cards here. All right. Because you have to go to movie club. So uh, we're talking about Dominaria cards. Yeah. What's up, up on the official Wizards pages of our recording. So the first card is Denitha Capassion Paragon. 2W for a 2-2 Legendary Human Knight. First Strike Vigilance Lifelink. It's a pretty good, decent amount of abilities, even though it's just a 2-2 for 3. Uh, aura and Equipment Spells you cast cost one less to cast. Um, so I think this card is surprisingly good. So, if you look at this card, it costs three mana for a 2-2. People are not excited about three mana 2-2s unless they search your library for a basic land. Okay. In that case, they're very excited, right? Right. But, but Danitha, is that? Danitha. Danitha has many abilities, right? First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink. So, I think a combination of First Strike and Vigilance is, is pretty cool on a combat creature. Like, obviously, yeah. this can be shocked or whatever. But we live in a world in Standard right now where some of the best car, but one of the some of the best decks can't kill creatures very well. For example, the Green White uh, Explore deck can't kill creatures very well. So this is a, a board presence card that could potentially rumble in combat. It can put some distance between you and a red deck. Like even if even if they can shock it or whatever, you know, if you get two hits in, you're you're pretty far ahead. Completely contains their entire ground force, right? Um, so I think it's pretty good from the, from those standpoints. But I think contextually, there's two things that are super going for it. I'm not sure if they're in the official wizard spoiler, but there's uh, the, there's the new like smother type card, the black instant that kills non-legendary creatures, which I think will be very popular. And then there's the new uh, white flash enchantment that um, that eg- that flash eg- instant exiles tapped creatures. 
So I think both of those cards would be really, really popular. And the fact that Danita is hit by neither of them just oh, gives her so much, like, it's so much contextual jump, right? Like, it's like Black Knight. Like, like how much better is Black Knight than White Knight in 1997? It's hard to assess because they look exactly the same, except for the fact that nobody played Terror and everybody played Swords of right, Shares, right. right? Like, now, like, oh, wow, Black Knight's way better than White Knight because nobody plays Terror. Is there any equipment that people want to play? Oh, wow, There's, that's even without getting to the next thing. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible this is, like, a combo engine card, right? right. Like, what about zero, like, you know, one casting cost equipment becomes zero casting cost equipment? Maybe there's something there, right? Um, I don't know, there's certainly... Also, also, just, like, if for some reason we live in a world where pacifism is a card you yeah. wanted to play, pacifism would cost white with hard yeah. play. Because I, I it's mean, an aura. I, I mean, obviously that ability, that kind of, is it hero over OS kind of ability, is yeah. so powerful. Right. If you get, if you get, I don't, I don't know what the, all the stuff that we might want to play is, but we live in a world where people are playing enchantments that are like three casting costs. This guy has lifelink, right? Like, right. How many, how many of those enchantments are people playing? Like, um, whatever kind of tribute is the wrong word. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? They're splashing the black one in, in like blue green decks to give their guy lifelink. The you return this and you play this one. What are they called? There's a kind of enchantment, and then you can return it if you play the other kind of enchantment. Cartouches. Oh, cartouches. Like, yes. people will play cartouches, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, and those are, like, hyper-inefficient generally, but you want the ability, right. right? Like, but look at how good this would be with a cart... I, I couldn't remember what it was called, yeah. but now I remember, right? And there's the white the white equivalent of that cartouche I think people right. might play. You, so you like this card? I think this card is not unplayable. I think that a lot of people will look at this and say this card is unplayable. I mean, this is only an uncommon, too. Like, let's... You know, I so not you know not 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 a lot of I, I guess it doesn't have a huge uh, not a lot of expectations placed upon it. So a rare, on the other hand, is Fall of the Thran, and this is a saga. Yeah. So the sagas are, are a new type of card. Um, for one thing, you know they get played they get played to the border uh, battlefield. Uh, well, I guess everything gets played to the battlefield vertically, but they look—they look really. They have it's vertical. New, it's art. a new card. It's a new card frame. Template. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Thran, five W for an enchantment saga. So as the saga enters and after your draw step, add a lore counter, and then you sacrifice after there are three lore counters. So when it. you play it, you immediately put a lore counter and get ability one. Yes. Then the next turn you get ability two. Then the next turn you get ability three, and then everything goes away. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. How's Fall of the Thran work? Fall of the Thran one. Destroy all lands. So it's a six-mana Armageddon yes. to begin with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then two and three are the same. Each player returns two <laughs> land cards to the, from their graveyard to the battlefield. All right. So so this is <clears throat> this is a symmetrical effect that you can break. If you had, like, a rest in peace type yeah, effect. Yeah, ley line. Or, well, no, or a ley line. line. Sorry, ley Rest line. in peace would not yeah, be Yeah, that, that wouldn't helpful. work. Yeah, but a rest, a ley line. Yeah. You know, or some way of exiling your opponent's graveyard or anything like that. You could really have this, you know, like, okay, I've cleared the board, now I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to take away all your lands. It can also just be a Death Knell-type card, right? Like, you're, you use the Armageddon effect, your opponent your opponent has a full turn with nothing, and then you get the lands first, right? Right. Right, on your turn, when it could be useful for you. Well, you both, you both, right, you both get the lands, but you're going to be able to use them first, theory. Yeah, theory yeah. well, I mean, sure. for main face-ish yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right, so, um, 
Okay, so I think this card is definitely going to find a home somewhere. Yeah. I think because it's too powerful of a primary ability. I think even if it's just a death knell card, right? right. Like, you no, know, we're just going to, you know, have you know, have well, an Urnum play Just against again. a control card, against, the, against a control deck. If you could force this through, I mean, it's also just brutal. Well, I mean, the other thing you can think about is, A, if you have fewer than six lands in play, right? Maybe you have Land of War Elf or something like yeah. that. Uh, or... If your opponent has a ton of lands at play, right? right? Like they're playing like a board control deck. Like imagine you're playing against like black, white, or red, white control in standard, which are, you know, non blue, non permission kind of board control decks. You can, I mean, they just like, you could easily be in a situation where you're like sandbagging some lands, you have like maybe six lands in play, maybe fewer than six lands in play if you've got a servant of the conduit or something, and your opponent's got like 12 land in play. Right, you're just like slam this. Even if the effect is theoretically symmetrical, your six or less is way less than their twelve. Right? right. You can mess, or you know, there are so many lands that people just like you can't beat otherwise. Like, like uh, Spire Varaska, uh, uh, like the Maze of Ith. Like, sure. imagine you're just playing the Scarab God, and they have Maze of Ith, right? Like, right. or two Maze of Ith. Right? Like, you right. just can't win. Right. Right? Like, like it doesn't matter how much potential card advantage you have, they're literally just going to lock you down right. while doing it. Also, also, if you kill a flip <clears throat> land, they never get to return that land to the Oh, that's a field. good point, right? right? That, that's actually, it's actually a really good way of dealing with them. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting card. It depends which ones, right? Like, if it's, if it's Azor's Gateway, you might just lose on the spot, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, History of Benalia. Awesome card. This card's sweet. One WW. It's a mythic. Uh, as the saga enters, blah it's blah a saga, blah. saga, yeah. Uh, one create a two-two white cre- knight, create a white knight creature token with vigilance. That's also two, so you get to create yeah. two two-two tokens. This is basically like playing um, Gideon, ally of Zendikar, a turn early, and getting two tokens off of it. Or like a grizzly fate for yeah for yeah. two less mana. Yeah, and then. And then three, well, they also have Vigilance. They're yeah, not... Yeah, and then three knights you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. So it's not just these knights. If you had other knights, for example, right. Knight of Grace, which is the next card, he's a knight, um, like any knights would get uh, exploit on the third one. One of the things that I really like about these sagas is that they're enchantments, so they're permanents in play. So if, for example, you just want to, like, net the abilities and not sacrifice the enchantment, you could use the new Into the Royal, for example, to just, like, bounce it and then replay it. Right. Right? Or, like, you could, like, like if somebody has, like, a bad saga ability, like, because the, they're, like, bad saga ability, good saga ability, good saga ability, like, you could, like, bounce their saga with the bad saga ability on the stack, and then they're just destroyed. Right? Like... You can also uh, clock spinning these. You can. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting tricks you can play with the sagas. I don't think the clock spinning will be a viable one. <laughs> but there are... Like, this card is pretty good. It's three mana for four power. I mean, this with clock spinning would be like, you know, four mana buyback, make a 2-2. Two, two. That's not actually how it works. Right? So you play this. To clock spinning, you put a counter on it, but that doesn't... It also lets you remove a counter. Clock spinning. Okay. Oh. I would like you to describe to me what's going on here. So I get the second counter on this. I okay. make a knight. At the All end right. of my turn, I clock spinning. Okay. I take a counter off, All right. and then I get a second more. So counter. you've traded four mana yeah. and a card for an additional two. I know. Two, no, two clock spinning has, has buyback. Buy- oh, so you're buying it back. I'm buying it back. Oh wow, yeah. I think that with this before it was one mana yeah. and a card. Yeah, with a with Listen. an with an engine of this force, how could anyone ever beat you? This is every magic deck I've ever wanted to build. <laughs> At least before you could like gush and make all their guys be tapped and <laughs> hopefully attack for, you know, a good third of their life total. I had so many powerful cards in that deck. 
<laughs> like banned cards, right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, this card won a Grand Prix. Not in this strategy, it didn't. It would have. Uh, Knight of Grace. This card is awesome. I love this card. Yeah, it's uh, great. 1W for a 2-2 Human Knight. First strike. So you can see sort of like synergy with History Benalia. This comes down, and then that comes down. And you have, you know, you're, you're, you're building out your board. It has a new, uh, like, rules phrase, hexproof from black. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's awesome. I love it. It's way worse than protection. It black. is definitely worse than protection. But it's sweet. It's, it's, it's different. And then it also has an additional line of text. Knight of Grace gets plus one, plus zero, as long as any player controls a black permanent. One of the things I love about Dominaria is how nostalgic it is. It's like Time Spiral. Remember when Time Spiral came yeah. out? Like, it was like the greatest hits album of, uh, of Magic the Gathering. And I, what I like about Dominaria is that there's a combination of reprints like Land of War Elves and Gaia's Blessing, which is like your favorite card ever, right? Right. And then cards like Knight of Grace, Wait, which Gaia's are... Gaia's Blessing's in the set? You really didn't know I that. didn't know that. Okay. It's in the set. Okay. Um, uh, but Knight of Grace, which is... Uh, an echo to White Knight, right? Right. So it's a, it's like it's way worse than White Knight in in that hexproof from Black is much worse than protection from Black because like you could just combat like with Black creatures sure. and but this one doesn't work that way. But as a but as a three as a three two for a striker, yeah. that's a little tricky. So the thing about it is different. It's like a if the metagame is skewing towards Black, he's a little bit better. But B, not only can you play your own Black cards. For example, like you play like a Black White creature deck and you play Knight of Grace and his opposite number. I think it's Knight of Malice, yeah. the Black version. That's one thing. But there are. Like, for example, you could play this card with Batterskull. Batterskull creates a germ token, which is black. Ooh. Or you could play it with, like, Orzhov... I mean, not that Orzhov Guildmage is, like, burning down the house anywhere, yeah, yeah. but, like, cards like Orzhov Guildmage, which uh, don't require any black mana to be cast, but are, like, a black permanent. Or, or if somehow a card like Profane Procession sure. becomes more prevalent in... Uh, yeah, so, but, I mean, it, it, you could also legitimately just play black permanents yourself and... That would be a thing. Your Knight of Grace would be marginally better, and I. But I think that he's he's pretty good. And you just get so many bonus points against black decks. All right. All right. Sarah Disciple, one W for a one one bird cleric with flying and first strike. Whenever you cast a historic spell, Sarah Disciple gets plus one plus one until end of turn, and then artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. Yeah, I think this card is too much text and not enough impact. Yeah, we'll have to look at a little bit more at okay, historic spells. First Strike and Flying on the same card is kind of worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fights a flyer, so First Strike ain't no thing. So I guess if you like had a if you had a steady stream of artifacts, you would get a little bit bigger, but like the only decks that can actually do that don't want to play a 1-1 flyer for two. So every artifact is considered a historic spell yep. now? Yeah, it's a new, new thing. Okay. So it's like a very D and D look at artifacts right, instead right. of a like. So a so I play a Sarah Disciple. Then on turn two, three, I play Triumph of Gerard. So my Sarah Disciple would get plus one plus one until end of turn because I played it. Well, you, well read what? Oh, oh yeah, of course yeah. And then and then I could put a plus one plus one counter on target creature I control with the greatest power, which we'll assume is Sarah Disciple. Yeah. And then I have a three three flyer that turn, and then next turn get I the would ability get, again. I get the ability again, and it would be a four. Uh, well. It would be a 3-3 there three, three yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. And not, then, not super exciting. And then target creature you control with the greatest power gains flying, first strike, and lifelink until end of turn. We already have a couple of those. Let's so. talk about the aesthetics of Triumph of Gerard for a second. First of all, they've equated him to, is that the Archangel Michael? Is that that's like a is that a famous picture of the Arch- Archangel Michael that they're homaging there? I guess so, yeah. All right, so uh, 
was Gerard not not triumphant? Didn't he die in Vindicate? The, the card Vindicate? Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't triumphant. He had some triumphs, though. It's not necessarily his failure. You know, they didn't make a statue to the failure of Gerard. He didn't win, though. He didn't but win he had some triumphs I feel like I read those books. Uh, but anyway, long story short, it's also only an uncommon. Let's instead talk about a different member of the Weatherlight crew. Urza's Ruinous Blast. Was Urza on the... I think he chilled with them. Was he? Okay. Urza's Ruinous Blast. 4W. For a legendary sorcery. You may only ca- you may cast a legendary sorcery only if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. Okay. Exile all non-land permanents that aren't legendary. Wow, so... This is a Michael J. card. Some of the things you could do is have a lot of legendary permanents, <laughs> right? Including, like, legendary, you know... Including sagas, yeah. which are... No, oh, well, no, they're, they're not. Gonna, they're going to blow themselves up, right? Yeah. Like... Yeah, but, not. I mean, uh, Planeswalkers are legendary. So you could just have, like, two Planeswalkers in play and then cast Urza's Ruinous Blast. You have a massive advantage, provided your opponent had stuff on the, the battlefield. Uh, I think that, that card is not going to be that popular, but it's it's powerful. You're certainly going to see people playing it. Like, when you get to the Pro Tour, yeah. someone is going to have this. Not, it's, I just, not that popular is what I'm saying. Right. But it's, it's a powerful card. Sure. Um, all right, so on to blue. Not a lot of cards spoiled as of yet. Academy Drake, 2U for a 2-2 flyer. Uh, then it has Kicker, 4. So for 7 mana, you can get a 4-4 flyer. We can just move on yeah, to Homerit Explorer. Homerit Explorer, 3-U for a 3-3. Uh, I mean, I, I, just for a second, I mean, I love Kicker. Yeah. Like, I'm this makes me optimistic for the draft format. Okay. Like, anytime you see things that let people do things, with, like, I, I would just like Cycling and Embalm and Kicker and Flashback... And morph, and I would like do you those like things, things in that every fix mana screw to mana flood, right? I, I just want things that give me things to do late in the game when I have a lot of mana. Yeah, okay. You know, mana screw, whatever. You mana know, mana screw or mana flood. Yeah. Cycling helps with mana screw. Yeah, yeah. And morph helps with mana screw sometimes. Sure. And kicker helps with mana flood. Yeah. So I just I, I like I'm, this bodes well for the limited format in my mind. I, I am more excited over this set than I have been excited over a set in, huh? Four years. All right, Hummerd Explorer. This this is this is where I live. When Hummerd Explorer enters the battlefield, target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. So a little self mill. A little self mill. A little punish, for three, three, punish for, myself. <coughs> three three for four mana. That's it. Yeah, not that's, that's where you live. That's where I live. And people criticize me for liking Borderland Ranger. <laughs> okay. I also like. I think you liked it first. I, I think I actually just <laughs> aped the things that you liked that took them upon myself as though they were my idea. Uh, Merfolk Trickster. This card's awesome. Uh, it's also great artwork. I mean, it's really just a fantastic piece of artwork with a merfolk pulling some dum-dum into the water. Yeah. Uh, UU for a merfolk wizard, 2-2, with flash. When Merfolk Trickster enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls, it loses all abilities until end of turn. I mean, it's really interesting. Just for example, you could have like a 2-1 in play, right? Your opponent attacks you with Hazard. You let Hazard tap. Then you play Merfolk Trickster mid-combat. Target Hazard, who's already tapped, and then double block it. And Hazard is dead. Did you use two cards? Yes, their freaking Hazard is dead. Okay? <laughs> or, I don't know, you could kill the Scarab God this way. Sure. The Scarab God will stay dead. Yep. Um... It's obviously awesome, an awesome tempo card, right? right? So there's all kinds of cards that we've already seen that have Merfolk synergies, whether it's like Merfolk, buff, Merfolk buffing, making more Merfolk, 
putting Merfolk into play, etc. And you could just like force damage through because you just play this and just tap their blockers right. and just get in while making more material in play. Uh, and besides which, it's also a wizard, so it has wizard synergies, which are not insignificant. Okay. So. Oh, I, as I see coming up. Yeah. So this card is very good. All right. Opt in the set again. I guess that's their new. That's their new thing. That's the new. That's the blue colossal dreadmaw. Got it. Uh, wizards retort, not well, a wizard resort. There you wizards go. Wizards retort. One UU instant. This spell costs one less to cast if you control a wizard. Counter target spell. So this becomes counter spell if you have a wizard in play. So it starts as cancel. Yeah. Right? And then it becomes counter spell if you have a wizard. This card is probably going to be outstanding. Last time a card like this existed was Selimgar Scorn, which was basically a horrible force spike that became a counter spell. And I think, like, if you had Selimgar Scorn in your deck, you could, like, never lose because it was so good. Right. As a, I would say, attested by the fact that I never lost. <laughs> uh, and, I'm, you know, and I'm not good. So I think this this card's even better because the fail state of cancel is way better than fail people, state of, of force spike. people love cancel, you got to do a little work for it. I mean, I mean, people love, I'm saying people love counter, want counterspell all the time. I'm saying they're always asking Yeah, but for cancel's it. fine. Yeah. Like, I remember I played, like, a... We didn't know the word yet, but it was essentially a Jeskai Guy Planeswalker deck, like, a few years ago. Several years ago. Um, and, like, I had, like, one, like, two cancels in my deck. And I was just shocked. Like, cancel was consistently the best card in my deck. Like, <laughs> and I had, like, Lightning Bolt and the Johnny. And I was, <laughs> cancel was the one that was winning the most games. Um, yeah, this card's... Obviously, going to be. I has to have Shaheen Sarani, who apparently is just mad at us that we saddled him with Rewind as his signature spellbook card. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't have put Rewind all those times. Uh, um, just just to point this out, like you know who's a wizard? Snapcaster Mage. Oh wow! Delver of Secrets. Yeah. Just, so you, you're seeing this as a card that's actually going to have life in Eternal formats. Oh yeah. That's yeah yeah makes Silver sense. Silvergill Adept. Oh, the Merfolk decks, yeah. This card is really good. Uh, Zahid, Jinn of the Lamp. Flavor-wise. Very flavorful card my here. My favorite card ever. Wow. So this is this is basically Mahamodi Jinn. Yeah, so it's... it's For UU for a 5-6 flyer, right? That's Mahamodi This was the finisher of choice for a lot of different magic decks back in the day, right? Like... Mahamodi Jin, you know, was in like the blue green decks. It was in some of the blue white decks that wanted to go bigger than the Sarah Angel. Like I remember, I lost a, I lost a, winning in for a PTQ in 1997 to a Fat Modi. Fat Modi, that's, yeah, that's People what it was called. People would side in Fat Modi in their blue red deck because you like side out your plows or whatever. Yeah, they had yeah. Creatures and like, Fat Modi. So Zahid Jin of the Lamp. Now that's all well and good. But you can rub a lamp. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you <laughs> and can. And cast. So you may pay three U and tap an untapped artifact you control rather than pay this spell's mana cost. That's pretty exciting. I mean, like. So you could just get this into play on turn four. In theory, in turn, on turn three. Assuming you have some way to get two artifacts in play, one of which makes mana. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you could just play cards like Treasure Map. Right. right. Like, which you would play anyway. Right. You know, you play like, you know, second turn treasure map, third turn. Blue green. Play Lanoir Elf on turn one, treasure map on turn two. I don't think you Fat want to. Modi on turn three. I think three. you'd probably rather play Power Stone on turn three. There's that new Power Stone. I haven't seen it yet. It costs three. But I just want to play this taps on turn for, three. It taps for colorless. And it taps for colorless for each Power Stone you have in play, so it's, it's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it comes to play untapped. So you could play it on turn three and then still use your treasure map. 
then the next turn you can just be like what if I just play this on turn 3 well how because you had Llanowar Elf I go Llanowar Elf turn 2 treasure map you turn, just, turn you three, just play the lottery turn 3 if, if you could do that you just play the lottery well I can do that before while I'm waiting to get into right. the tournament alright now we're into black cast down 1B instant destroy target non-legendary creature so this card is just terror. It's just fantastic. Well, that's the card I was talking yeah. about, why I thought that that white creature might be good, because yeah. it just dodges the two principal point removals, I think, they'll be yeah. standard. It's legendary and, and X-proof. Well, no, it's legendary and doesn't tap. Yeah, oh, okay. All right, so I think this card's awesome. Oh, no, the legendary one, not yeah. that, but it also, the, so possibly those two cards, also the Knight of... Oh, they're uh, likely to be friends. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so Cast Down, I think, is going to be outstanding. I think Blue Black and Grixis decks will probably play, like, two main deck. Yeah. A lot of decks that play four copies between deck and sideboard. Uh, I think you'd be surprised at how many cards are legendary, even without Dominaria, though. Like the Scarab God, uh, Hazard. A, a card for too many. You're not necessarily looking to kill Hazard with this. You're looking to not be in a you're position. Looking, you're looking. You're looking to manage your early turns of the game, and this is this sure. Is it's great. good at that. But I'm just saying, like, I think you'd be surprised at how many like opponents like their first meaningful offensive card is Gonti. Like, I mean, haven't you like you played like where like the first time you're getting attacked is literally with a Gonti? Yeah. You deal with a Gonti, and the next creature is also a Gonti. <laughs> like that's you've had this experience, right? Like it's a little disorienting if you're if your removal spells cast down. Sure. Uh, what I do like about it is you can take out stuff like Heart of Kieran very consistently. So. Yeah, it, this, card, this card seems very good to me. Uh, Phyrexian Scriptures, that's another saga. 2BB uh, for the Enchantment Saga. It's a mythic, so it should be really good. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature. That creature becomes an artifact in addition to other types. 2, destroy all non-artifact creatures. Well, that's pretty cool. So it's just like a kind of a last standish card. Yeah. There. And then three, exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. So if we could sync this up with our Fall of the Thrawn. We will have done a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, pretty exciting. Really? So for a mythic, I guess the second ability is. It's really. It's like a delayed blast damnation. Right. I mean, it's. I, is this a sideboard card? It's horrible against artifacts. It is horrible against artifacts. Like, it's horrible against, like, Scrap Heap Scrounger. It like, is. Like, really bad. It is. It is. But then you just have to kill it. And then, but you also get to exile all cards, so maybe you can deal with Scrap Heap Scrounger. Or whatever. Can... But you have that, that whole Cataclysm aspect of it, right? Like, you, you're going to keep a guy. He's going to be a little bit big. Yeah. And I, honestly, I, I do think you sync it up with um, with Fall of the Throne. I think you sync those two cards up, and you just leave your opponent with nothing. You know, you're going to have one thing. You're going to destroy all the lands. I don't know. You know, they're not going to want to play another creature into this. Right? You know, you play this. Turn five, they don't want to play a creature into it. And then, you know, whatever. Interesting. All right. Uh, vicious Offering. Uh, 1B, instant. Uh, target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. It has kicker, sacrifice a creature. If the spell was kicked, that creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn instead. I mean, I think that card's probably okay and limited, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it seems like, like man, I guess for tempo, it's not, minus two, minus two for two isn't that bad. And like It's like a vicious hungry kind of... Well, we have a better than a vicious yes, hungry Yes, I agree, but right this gives you something... Like if you needed, with, if you needed one that didn't well, give you two life, or if you need one that can deal with a hazard, 
Okay. All right, this can actually just kill a Hazard. I mean, at FNM two weeks ago, I killed a Hazard with the other one, but sure. <laughs> it was sick. It was sick. I lined two of them up. What do you think about that? <laughs> Game four, my friends. All right, red cards. The Flame of Keld. Speaking of terrible sagas. One R. The first one is discard your hand. Yeah. Two, just draw two cards. Okay. Three, if a red source you control would deal damage to a player, permanent or player this turn, it deals that much damage plus two. Okay. So Patrick was trying to convince me that this card is like could be good. Right? Yeah. So I was trying to ask him whether I should cast my Into the Royal with the ability one on the stack <laughs> or if I should let them resolve it and then cast the Into the Royal so that they have the pleasure of recasting this card. Right? <laughs> I wasn't sure which the right answer was. Yeah. He, he, after I put it that way, it's just like, I think you would respond. <laughs> I'm like, like, I kind of want them to have to use their mana again to play this horrible card, right? He's like, yeah, but then they're going to get two cards two turns from now, you know? <laughs> Maybe not. What do you th- would this would you ever play this card? I can I can imagine scenarios where I would play it. I, I might play it in like in limited as the last card out of my hand. It, I mean I guess it's great if it's the last card out of your hand, but like all the times that a card like this has been good, like Pyromaster Swath, like you were building towards Yeah, no, I, I like the, this the is thing the opposite me, of building towards The something. thing that bothers me here is that the payoff for this is so bad. It's awesome if it's awesome if you can control when it happens. Right. Like if this card were just like one in an R, use the third ability. Right. Like I'm in. Right. Like that's insane. But I have to discard my hand first and then hope that my cards. Like, I my hope ne- that I draw two good you know, cards. My next three cards put me in a position to so, win. So so you do it. Then you draw three cards the next turn. Right. Because yeah. you draw it for your turn and then you draw two cards and then you draw a fourth card on your turn, on your next turn when this goes off. So you have four cards to like. How many burn spells? I mean, like, they, imagine somehow you're forced, you're stipulated that you need to put this in your modern burn list. So if all my cards deal three, it'll kill them, right? Right. I have to be able to cast them all having discarded my hand. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm just... We're skipping this. Yeah. It's not going <laughs> to... All right, I'm just, I'm just trying to find some right. scenario. And I have to wait two turns to do this? Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't I... And it costs two? Yeah. Why wouldn't I just play, like, another Boros charm or stipulated. something? stipulated. <laughs> All right, Keldon Overseer. 2R for a 3-1 human warrior. Kicker, 3R. This is just a common. So um, when Keldon Overseer enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Uh, it doesn't untap it, though. Untap just, that creature. Oh, it does haste. untap it. Yeah, but only if it's kicked. So right now it's a 3-1 haster, rocket shoes kind of guy. And then if you pay 7, uh, you get to rocket shoes and... Uh, this card actually seems like it might be good. Well, this, how good was the Eldrazi version, which is only five? It got played a lot. Yeah, the Eldrazi version won a Pro Tour. Yeah. Right? So, but this one costs seven. Yeah. Okay? But I don't see it as a seven. I'm just imagining it as some three one that you just bashed. Well, the in Eldrazi there. version was really good. Yeah. It won a Pro Tour. Yeah. Right. Like this one. I mean, it's not. But it's not relatively little playing standard. Yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that it was such a powerful card. Yeah. This card's. Uh, it's pretty expensive. This card I'm pretty excited about, and I probably. Uh, how about Wizards Lightning? So you talked about the other card yeah. being played in blue-red in Eternal formats. How about Wizards Lightning getting played in Eternal formats with Delver and Snapcaster Mage? I think you might just play it in a red deck. Grim Lava Mancer is a wizard. Sure. 2R for an instant. This spell costs 2 less to cast. If you control a wizard, Wizards Lightning deals 3 damage to any target. Yeah, so I think there's... So it's just Lightning Bolt if you have... 
Delver or yeah. Grim Lavamancer or is Young Pyromancer a wizard? I believe so. You know, or... I mean, but like, you know, three casting costs burn spells at deal three are actually pretty good in modern. Uh, people don't realize that, like, uh, this is similar to Riftbolt. Like, Riftbolt is a card that costs one sometimes and costs three sometimes, right? Right. And this is a card that costs one sometimes and costs three sometimes. Uh, this card actually has more flexibility than um, than Riftbolt, which is a slam dunk four of in multiple formats. Uh, and the thing that people don't necessarily realize, if, unless they've played a lot of Modern Burn, like I don't know, some people have, uh, <laughs> is that being cast in cost three is actually highly advantageous sometimes because you're playing against cards like Chalice of the Void, right? So the fact that the, it's, your card costs three is actually surprisingly good. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. You know no, it I mean? seems it seems it seems sweet. I mean, I could just. Yeah. I mean, All right. All right. Lanoir Elves, the card that is going to make Brian Kibler play in a pro tour. Yeah, I, I've heard this prediction already. But no, he said it. Good. He said, like, I will play in the pro tour Lanoir Elves. Great. Uh, I think this card will be the best card in standard. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be playing turn three Mahamudi Jins. I mean, it's got to be the best. I think, I mean, I, don't, I think that this card is more likely to be friends with the Scarab God than Mahamudi Jin, but it is... Three going to be Mahamodijin. the best card in standard in yeah. my prediction. I we, mean, this card, I, it's so funny because, you know, 25th anniversary, I don't think Lanor Elves in the first, like, five years of its existence got appreciated as much as it's been appreciated over the last 20 years of its existence. Well, but if you think about it back then... A Sarah Angel was considered the apex of offense. Yeah. Or offense defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there were cards like Sword Supply Shares. Right. Right? So if you take the Sword Supply Shares away and you take the Dark Rituals and the Ancestral Recalls <laughs> away, what we start to think of as a powerful magic card changes, right? Like, oh, what are the remaining one casting cost cards from Alpha? Shoot, that one was pretty good. Yeah. You know, the fact that it's not as good as Ancestral Recall, Dark Ritual, or Sword Supply Shares isn't really a knock on the card, right? Lightning it's a knock bolt. on the balancing or Lightning Bolt, right? You know, better than Healing South, substantially. You know, so better than Raise Dead. But yeah, but just think about yeah. it like that, right? Like the, the cards that we we're comparing it against yeah, yeah, were yeah. just so too good. What's your take on Lionel Elves and the greatest one drops in history? I mean, it's not. It's not even in the top three of cards of its class. Sure. That doesn't mean it won't be the best card in standard, right? right? Like, I mean, like, Noble Hierarch is substantially better than Land of Worlds, sure. right? Uh, Birds. Deathrite Shaman is substantially better than Land of Worlds, right? Birds is at least arguably better than Land of Worlds, right? Yeah. I, I think that those guys have had, you know, a long, torrid, and largely inconclusive battle, but I think Birds is probably better, right? right? Um, but, you know... But birds break so many rules. The green flyer for one is one of the main major knocks against it from the R and D standpoint. Yeah. But like Lana Ruffs is it's a good man. The fact that they've like reprinted it as Findhorn Elves, as Elvish Mystic, Boreal Druid kind of, right? Like it's not unique in that sense, but it's not even in the top three in all likelihood in its class, right? So, you know, just just take that as a as a grain of salt and yet Excited AF for this card. Sapperling migration. What do you think is better, Llanowar Elves or Elves of Deep Shadow? Llanowar Elves. Llanowar Elves or um, the human one that taps for white? Llanowar Elves. Yeah? Yeah. I think both of those are better than Llanowar Elves. Uh, elves, elves of Deep Shadow has just pinged me to death too many times. Um, what about the white one? The white one's fine. But, like, a lot of times I just 
honestly, like, my, my, my experience in Cube, I just want more green mana to do things with. I don't disagree with you, but the likelihood that you would need three green mana on turn two versus two green mana and another sure. color is... is. I drew my planes. Okay. <laughs> you should play the lottery. Uh, Sapling Migration. 1G, Sorcery, Kicker 4... Create two sapling tokens. If the spell was kicked, create four of those tokens instead. Wait, so this card is one and a G, just make two tokens? Yeah. Raise the alarm at sorcery speed. And then, but you can make four, possibly? If you, if you spend six mana. This card seems outstanding to me. Outstanding? Yeah, very, very good. Oh. We play a ton of, like, three and four casting cost token-making cards these days. Right? right? Like, uh, like, I think it was Brad Nelson who made the argument that Hordling Outburst was the best card in standard at one point, where it's like... R R two or R one for three one ones. Yeah, like certainly that scales differently than than this card. But this card has a. This guy really wants to talk. <laughs> I'll have to call him after this. Uh, but I think this card's good. All right, Mike. Here's yeah. the situation. You've mulliganed to two. The cards that you've capped are forest and the elf that makes white mana. Yeah. Okay. You draw for your turn on turn two. Play that in turn one. I'm, so, I'm sorry, you, you've kept three card hand. Forest, forest, elf that makes white man. Got it. You draw for your turn. <laughs> Steel Leaf Champion. How like much of an idiot do you feel like now? I don't feel like an idiot at all. How, how much? I'm going to get that third G. <laughs> so Steel Leaf Champion is GGG mm-hmm. for a 5-4 elf knight. And it has the ability, can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. I'm This a, card's just... Wooly Thoctar that's super easy to cast, right? Well, I think it's Wooly Thoctar that's harder to cast. Uh, but Wooly Thoctar, obviously I have a soft spot for Wooly Thoctar in my yeah. life, right? Because it was in uh, Andre Coimbra's Naya Lightsaber deck that he won the World Championship with. That was like the only deck that Wooly Thoctar was ever good in, though. Yeah, yeah. I think this card is, on the battlefield, is better than Wooly Thoctar. Yeah. But GGG is... That ain't that's, that's this. This is gonna happen on turn two. Now, the reason standard. I don't like that is because of cards like because uh, of cards like Zalfrin Void. Sure. Right, which is this land. It's it's, it's a land. Um, it taps for colorless, and uh, has the ability Scry One when it comes into play. Like, no one's just gonna play forests, Brian. Right. Like, so the idea of playing this on turn two is not a certainty, even if you have Llanowar. Tell, tell you, you're playing a lot of forests if you're playing Llanowar Elves. Um. Yeah. I get I, it. I this get is it. gonna happen. This is gonna happen on turn two a lot. Okay. Uh, Shanna Sisse's Legacy, G W, a green and a white for a legendary creature, human warrior. Shanna Sisse's Legacy can't be the target of abilities your opponents control. Shanna gets plus one for plus one for each creature you control. So men, so she's, base one one. Yeah, one one, like hex proofish, right? Yeah. Uh, just like way better than a Kelvin Warlord. <laughs> Half the cost, way more abilities. Uh, I think like it will be very popular in green-white creature decks. Like, yeah. sw- like token decks and swarm decks, this card's going to be insane. Yeah, well, for example, Sapperling Migration, yeah. that's a great place to use this card. I agree. Green-white tokens is one of the strongest decks in standard right now. So. Right. Uh, Guardians of Koilos, five mana for a 4-4 four, four artifact creature construct. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another target historic permanent you control to its owner's hand. That's your hand or someone else. So an historic can be an artifact, right? Artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. So you can even just like sacrifice a renegade map, right? And then just have a have like a just an engine semi-engine here. 
Uh, not from the graveyard. Right? I'm sorry. Permanent you control. Oh, oh permanent. So it's got to be in play. Sorry. So, so this Man of War is your opponent's like planeswalker, or no. no, it's your own, right? To its owner's hand. Oh, to its owners. Oh, it's Man of War for legendary. Yeah. Oh, this card's way worse than I thought. I thought it. <laughs> I thought it brought stuff back from your graveyard. Yeah. No. Yeah, that card's not good. Okay. Okay. Except when it bounces a planeswalker. Yeah, but it costs five. Yeah. No. <laughs> it doesn't even kill it. No. Okay. Uh, and then Zalfrin Void, we talked about. This I think that like, card's very good. Yeah, beautiful artwork. Really beautiful yeah. piece. All right. What's your favorite card? In the set so far? Yeah, I, the ones we've talked about. Land anyway. of War Elves, for sure. Zahid, Jan of the Lamp. My heart loves Land of War Elves. My head loves Land of War Elves. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back at the end of summer. What are we going like? Maybe go solid three times a year. Three three times right. a year. Yeah. It's the end of March now, right? It is. When did we do that last podcast? In December? I think it was December. Or maybe in the first week of January. That's horrible. It's really bad. That's horrible. That's okay. Really bad. Um, well, that's it, Canada. Uh, see you at the end of summer.